0: It is very interesting to me how much and how often God has been reminding me over the last three months how, how incredible it is that we've been preaching through the Sermon on the Mount during this season in our country. Like, like during this time where, where we would say, right, and we've said it before, there's, there's probably more division across every possible line that there could be in our nation than ever before. right? That, that at every possible turn, there's, there's a division amongst people. And then you look at, at this thing, this Sermon on the Mount, this, this opportunity that Jesus has to come before this people and preach this message and give us what we've kind of called the Constitution, right? The, the true law of the kingdom of God. And we've had to look at okay, what does that mean as I apply that? And the more I study this, the more we look into it, the more I am convicted that the church is supposed to be the answer to a lot of the brokenness here in our world. And we're not doing a real good job, Okay. Uh, Like, like we've sat somewhat on on the sidelines, maybe we've, and I think we've sat on the sidelines and we've almost yelled from a distance in many ways, and and I just don't think it's been all that helpful. And it, obviously it really came to a head this week is, um, you know, something happened on Tuesday, right? There was a kind of a big day within our, the history of our, of our country, Now, regardless of of where you line up, who you voted for, um, it was a big day. Like, I mean, it was just like, wow, like, did did that just happen? No matter what side you're on, it it was a shocker. Like, I mean, I'm getting texts literally all day long. Like my phone is blown up over and over and over to say, are you watching this? Do you see what's going on? Is this going to happen? Oh my gosh. Some people stoked and celebrating other people grieved and hurting. And I'm getting it all, and I'm like, man, how do I sift through this reality? And, and all it really showed me is that, man, as, as this thing began to go down, I just felt and saw the dividing lines between the people in our nation, within our churches, within our communities, just get wider and wider and wider. See now, upon every single issue that I can think of, I I feel like if if you were on one side of this election, you're like, okay, well, this is gonna get better now. Like, I I was going for Trump, and so this is gonna get better because my guy won, and then other people are thinking, well, I was going the other direction, I think it's gonna get worse. And so you had people kind of moving down into greater hopelessness, despair, pain, and emotion, and then you had others getting up into greater joy and celebration because they had a different vision for what this future could look like. And so what I think was happening was this dividing line was just spreading and splitting. And so here's what happens when there is greater division and people are farther away from each other than ever before is you begin to yell. And yelling does no good. You begin to say, okay, well you're farther away so I need to go to deeper measures to scream at you in hopes that then you will hear me. And it hasn't worked ever before. This distance thing where I'm not actually going to be involved in your life, I'm just going to be way over here, I'll let you exist way over there, and I will just lob my stuff at you in hopes that then somehow that brings about change. That has never worked in the history of the world. I don't know why we expect for it to work now. Last week, we landed, and we preached through what I think is, is the clearest imperative in Scripture, right? that we would treat others however we wish to be cared for, treated, thought about, engaged with, that we would give that courtesy to everyone else in our life. And it was not subjective. It was not exclusive. It wasn't, hey, you know what? If if they agree with you, then treat them as you'd like to be treated. There, there, There was no caveats to it. It was, hey, if you don't like being insulted, don't insult other people. If you don't like being told that you're a fool, then don't call other people fools. It's really quite simple, and yet it killed me because Tuesday came, and then Wednesday came, and it feels like in a 24-hour period, we in our churches just forgot about the golden rule. And we immediately chose sides, and we said from distances wider than ever, you're a fool, you're an idiot, you're this, you're that, you're the other. Now, like I said, uh, I've had the opportunity to see both sides of this thing for a while now. And so for some reason, all you guys just feel like I have a good, better answer at some of the stuff, and I, every time you'd say, well, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know, right? Like, it's just because nonstop, people from all sorts of sides, whether right, you were left or right, or kind of that, you know, like... It, Libertarian doesn't mean middle, it's kind of like this third dimension, right? It's this other world, okay? And so whether or not you are left, right, or third third world, third third dimension, right? Um, In all of that, I'm hearing it all from you, and it's processing through, and there's some things that you just have to know. First, um, most of the folks that voted for Trump Okay? Um, are not arrogant, hateful, racist bigots, or uneducated morons with no care for minority communities. They're just not, they're, they're just not. And the only reason I know that is because I talk to them all the time. Because I hear their hearts, and I hear their conflict, and I hear what they're having to deal with as they, as they wrestle with a candidate who, like all of us, is sinful. Now, let's not, we're not, let's, and let me be very clear when I said I'm not trying to compare or even speak to, to our, our future president's character right now. All I'm saying is, hey, listen, most of those people, they're not what you think, and they're not what the media portrays. They're not what your, your favorite blog site writes about them. Now, hear me, on the other end, for those of you who voted the other direction, most uh, most folks who voted Clinton or or lean that direction politically, guess what? They're not ignorant baby-killing morons or entitled sore losers and crybabies. They're not. And you don't know that because you don't talk to any of them. Instead, you come over here and then you read something or you see something that is crafted by a media who is primed for just creating division because it gets better ratings and they look over there and say, this is what's happening over there. Instead of you crossing over and doing the work of talking to another human being, you just decide to yell from a distance. Kind of like what I'm doing now. The model for us always and forever must be Jesus. Because as wide and as crazy as you think the chasm is between left and right on every single issue in our culture, it is not nearly as wide as the chasm between God and man in our sin. Like, it's not even close. Right? God in his perfection, in his holiness, could have just looked over there and said, you know, I'll bark some stuff at you, but I'm gonna stay here. But he doesn't do that. Jesus gets born into a manger. He gets messy. He gets dirty. And he goes and engages with the people who truly are foolish. And he says, I'm going to show you a better way. And I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to give you dignity and value. And I'm not just going to, I'm not going to insult you. I'm going to engage with you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to try and understand where are you coming from. Jesus fully knowing their hearts. And yet he still loves all the way to the point of death. And so hear me, I don't care. This today is not about me telling you which side is right. And I have opinions on all this stuff, and I would love to sit down and talk to you about them. But this isn't about if left or right is right, if Clinton or Trump, if whatever thing you think on any political issue is the right way to think about it or the wrong way to think about it. I'm saying there is a way that Christians are supposed to act and engage that shows the world a better way. And we're not doing it. What does it look like for us to not just be so uncreative that we just post statuses that tear down the other side? What does it look like for us to value all people while also, and hear me, we, standing up for what is right? There is incredible pain and brokenness and hurt in the minority communities in our country. If you are not willing to figure out why, you are a fool. If you're just gonna just craft your view on on them, just, you know what, just get over it, right? Just move on, stop being a sore loser. That stuff drives me crazy. That is not the way we do this thing. There's people hurting and broken in our communities because we've broken them in our nation. And the church needs to be better. We need to be the people that the world looks to and says, okay, how how do we actually pursue healing? I'm going to tell you right now, it has to be by going to those people like Jesus did. Not just crafting a sweet line that you're going to get a bunch of likes on and half of your friends will think is really great. It doesn't work that way. You can both identify and care for those who are being hurt and marginalized in our communities and still honor those who haven't quite landed there yet. And that's the way forward. Otherwise, listen, all you're doing, you're trying to make a point. You're not trying to make change. And what this country needs is change. What this culture needs is change. What this world needs is change. And it goes far beyond just trying to make someone feel bad about themselves enough to where they start hearing you. It doesn't work that way. When has it ever worked in convincing you of anything when someone has just teared you down enough? It doesn't work that way. And so I, I, this is just kind of, I had to do it an early here rant. I want to share a quick, quick few verses, and I promise we will get into the text today. Romans 12:15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. It's that simple. There's no caveats to that. You need to weep with those who weep. You need to rejoice with those who rejoice. There are millions of people weeping in our country. And I've been getting stories all week long people here in our church who are experiencing harassment, who are experiencing blatant things of racism, high school students being told, hey, you need to go back to Mexico. Friends, I know, people in our church, black community getting not the N word, right? Written on stuff in their driveway. Being called names, Muslims in our country at a gas station having their hijabs torn off, being told you're not welcome here, on and on and on, and yet we're this great country, right? We're this fantastic nation that welcomes all and liberty and justice for all. That is such crap when you see these constant things. Now, let me be very clear, though. It's not just one-sided, guys. Don't think that it is. It's not getting covered as much, but there are white Trump supporters who are getting jumped in the streets as well and getting beat up by, whore, by gangs of people of all colors, okay? It, it, this is not just black, white. It's not just brown, white. I mean, of all colors, we got people mocking, harassing, beating each other in our streets right now. And the church has the answer. But it has to start with where are our heart's at. And if you cannot weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice... Man, I fear there's no, we're never going to put hands and feet to this thing outside these doors. Because we're just going to be thinking about ourselves. Next one, 2 Timothy 2.24, The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth. This is the way we live. Right, we we are convicted. We 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 listen, protest, go against, we vote, do all this, but do it with gentleness, with kindness, with meekness, with humility, engaging because you want change and not to just prove your point. Matthew seven twelve, whatever you wish others would do to you, do also them. The golden rule. Let us not give that up just because life didn't go the way we want to. Church. Either side of this. Now, again, here, for those of you who voted Trump and are like, this is a really great time, he's going to return, whatever. Okay, I'm not even making a judgment whether or not that's true or not. What I'm saying is, how would you feel if you didn't win on Tuesday? And what would you want said to you? Now, you need to say that to other people. Constantly needs to go both ways in this. I want to share One quote. This is from a lady named Michelle Alexander. She is a former law professor at Ohio State University. She wrote a book uh, called The New Jim Crow. And if you haven't read it, I implore you to read it, okay? Um, It just documents the significant realities of the brokenness of our criminal justice system, the oppression of the black community, minority communities in general, And it's it's a must-read to understand the cultural complexities of the day. But here's why I bring her up right now. Recently, she stepped down from her position at Ohio State University Law, and I want to read to you her statement why. She said, I am walking away from the law. I've resigned my position as a law professor at OSU, and I've decided to teach and study at a seminary. Why? There is no easy answer to this question. There are times I worry that I have completely lost my mind. Who am I to teach or study at a seminary? I wasn't raised in a church and I have generally found more questions than answers in my own religious or spiritual pursuits, but I also, I also know there's something much greater at stake in justice work than we often acknowledge. Solving the crises we face isn't simply a matter of having the right facts, graphs, policy analyses, or funding, and I no longer believe we can quote-unquote win justice simply by filing lawsuits, flexing our political muscles, or boosting voter turnout. Yes, we absolutely must do that work, but none of it, not even working for some form of political revolution, will ever be enough on its own without a moral or spiritual awakening, we will remain forever trapped in political games fueled by fear, greed, and the hunger for power. And she goes on, and man, this woman is brilliant, right? And, and she's, not, she's not a believer, right? She's, she's, she's one outside of the church. And she's been doing incredible work pursuing justice, amongst, uh, justice for minority communities, right? And she spent so much time in it that she's kind of reached her end and said, man, I've been doing this for years and we haven't really moved the ball down the field very much. And she says, the only true transformation that we could ever seek that's going to happen in this country has to be at the heart level. There has to be something that happens in here if we ever long to seek healing. Now church, hear me. There is only one name by which people can be saved. There is only by one Lord that people's hearts can be renewed. There is only one place that people can come and we can see a culture transformed from the inside out and it is only in Jesus. And so I say it one more time, church, you possess the answer to the brokenness of our world. You cannot stand on the sidelines. You have to engage. And engagement means far more than just what you write down. Engagement feel is way more than just what you happen to feel. We need to be who God has called us to be. Or truly, yeah, this nation is going to tear itself apart. I'm going to pray. Join me, and then um, we're, gonna <laughs> we're gonna get into the text. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, I just pray your scripture over us now. God, we're reminded today that blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're reminded that blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We're reminded that blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We're reminded blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Reminded that blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Reminded that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God, we're reminded this morning that blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. God, we're reminded that blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God, will we be your kingdom people to a world that is desperately broken? Will we be willing to suffer alongside our brothers and sisters who are suffering? To weep with those who are weeping? God, to be part of the answer, to bridge communities, to care for those regardless of what political affiliation they might have. What color of their skin they might have. What ethnicity they might have. What gender they might have. God, that we would be a people who see Jesus and your movement towards us. And we would go and move towards this world. God, we cannot do it without your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.